I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Resource Real Talk About Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. And there's a third. We have a guest with us in studio today. It's been a while since we've done that. Doug Edrington from Chattanooga, Tennessee is here. Doug, thanks for being on the show with us. Thanks for having me. This is not your first time on the show either. You joined the esteemed club of two-time guests. Yeah, there's only a couple. Uh, what, like Dustin Oldfather? Todd. Uh, Tom Tool, Tom Tool, Joe LaCicero. Yeah, I think that's it. That might be it. You might be the fourth member Gosh, of this was club. Like two years ago or so, wasn't it? It was a long, yeah, time, a long time, ago. time ago. We talked yeah. about ISAs. Do you remember yeah, this? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do. We talked about ISAs. That was back when, you know, we, we were calling this season two of Resource. Okay, so we took a little hiatus, you know, over the winter and really kind of got focused. We launched a second podcast, which, you know, those of uh, our, our most loyal listeners have heard us talk a lot about the Hour 502 podcast, which is a, a feature of local business leaders, entrepreneurs, et cetera. But we started off early in resource bringing on guests like yourself that could speak to our audience, which is real estate agents, top producers, et cetera. And so, yeah, there's only been a couple. And I think it's just been folks who have made the trip to town. We've done the phone interview, and then we've had them when they when they visited us here. In the yeah, world. last time we had you over the phone, but I think this is first in person. And a lot has changed since then, too. I mean, how long ago was that? It was more than a year ago. Oh, that's what we were saying. It, it was easy said, two years ago. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think it was two years ago, because I don't know that we, I don't think it was that long ago that we started, but... That was episode it, two. It was, you, you <laughs> might have been like episode like four. Right, I think Like so. serious business. But um, no, no, it's exciting to have you here in Louisville. You got in late last night. You probably haven't seen much of our city, just the Uber ride over because it was dark last night. I found this fun little Mexican hole in the wall across the street from the hotel. Okay. It's kind of odd. What's it called? I don't know. You walk in, and then all of a sudden it's a club with three people in it. Just literally the <laughs> Wait, DJ was going crazy. So, and the AC Marriott, where was uh, – what, is it on Market Street? It's literally across the street from the Marriott. What would that be? I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay, I'm There's drawing a blank. We'll, 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 we'll figure yeah. it out. Figure it out. We'll skip it tonight. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have some good Mexican in town. I'll have to give you some recommendations. No, so, um, Gabe, I think you've got an idea on what you want to talk about today. And this yeah. is probably in line with season two being a little more tactical look at the real estate industry. There's the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tactical. We have a word bank of words that we have to use in every episode. Tactical <laughs> is one of them. Yep. Um, but no, it's a more tactical approach. We were a lot more philosophical in season one. We talked about big industry making moves, you know, to different types of marketing, different things, different developments, brokerages, uh, structure and disruptors and Zillow and Redfin and all that stuff. And now we're just trying to kind of get a little more back to the basics and give like practical advice, practical, tactical, practical, tactical, practical, yeah. tactical advice to the agents that are that are loyal listeners. So Gabe, what you got for today? Yeah, so what I want to focus on is, like I said, it's been a while since you've been here and that you talked to us. And I think one of the big developments for you business-wise is that you are now the managing broker. You were a team leader before, and now you're the broker at your brokerage, correct? Well, I'm actually not the broker. I'm an owner of the brokerage. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's family family business. You know, Dad's the broker. He, he has the license to be broker. Um, I'm CEO, so I'm I'm the, You're the operating boss. partner. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, all the, the good stuff falls on me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So... 
terms here or there, like yeah, yeah, yeah. names are different, but in, essentially you have moved up the ladder by a rung, yes. correct? Okay, yes. cool. So what I wanted to talk about, in, like Jay said... That. What's that? <laughs> if you call it that, right? If you call it yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, it's good. No, it's, 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 there's a lot of people that keep growing, so it's good. Yeah, well, Jay, like Jay said, one of the things we want to do is bring uh, really practical, usable advice to our listeners. And a lot of our listeners are top producing agents, a lot like yourself, so... Uh, one of the things we talk about a lot is how you know and what to do when you feel like it's time to go from being an agent to managing a team of agents, right? We've talked about that at length. We've talked to plenty of really, you know, really prolific team leaders around the country. But I think the next step after that is knowing when it's time to go from managing a team within your company to managing the company itself, right? Whether it's by broker in name or you're the managing broker, the affiliate partner, whatever the name might be. Yeah, I want to talk about some sort of, you know, yeah, definitely to, to extricate yourself from the supervision of a managing broker to becoming that role, whether you're actually hanging the license or not. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think it's one of those things that seems like it shouldn't be that far of a leap, right? You go from managing the team to managing the brokerage. It's a few more agents that you manage maybe, and that's about it. But I think both of you probably have some stories about what that leap was like. Jay, yours was a little bit longer ago. Yours was a handful of years ago when Remax Premier Properties came on the scene after we were Remax Executive Group. Uh, and, of course, you managed JT Pitts and Associates, which is a team of agents within the brokerage. And then, Doug, I know that you you made this move uh, just about a year ago, right? Like yeah, a little a year, over maybe a year, year and a half. Yeah, had a had a really successful team. Still have a really successful team. It's it's a top team in town in Chattanooga. And and then, yeah, we uh, fourteen months ago decided to open up our own brokerage and take it to the next level. We've got other teams in our brokerage now. We've got some solos. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. What would you say was the big motivation for that move? Why was now the time, or why was a year ago the time to make that move? So, you know, it's it's not like one day you woke up and you're like, I think I want to, you know, do my own thing. Yeah. It's it, it, it starts, unfortunately, it's unfortunately and fortunately, it starts with frustration, right? One thing I've learned in recruiting at a brokerage, nobody changes brokerages unless something really bad or uncomfortable is happening hmm. somewhere else. Okay. Um, and, and I can look at every single person in my brokerage right now, every team, every agent, every employee, um, every, I mean, every leader, like if they were at another brokerage first, there was a pain point that made them make the move. And so, so even for me, I, you know, not to, by no means am I beating up on where I came from because it, I was there for 14 years and only company I ever worked for was great. I mean, I learned so much. It was a sure. great, great roof over my head. Um, but there became a point where it, it was, it was painful to be in the place because I wanted to accomplish something that wasn't in line with the the owner of the previous brokerage and so that's when you have to make a pretty hard decision of you go find someone else that you can live in there in their home and uh allow the uh, see if they'll align with your goals and dreams or is it more of a uh you know it's time to time to change the world right it's time 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 time, time to take the risk grab the wheel and run yeah i alignment was the word that came to mind as i heard as i was listening to you speak I often tell agents that we recruit, recruit being a loose term because you and I just talked off air mm-hmm. before we, uh, we're, we're not doing a lot of outbound recruiting. Gabe knows this. Most of our recruits come to us. And, uh, but I tell most people that my understanding that I think a lot of broker owners or recruiters, you know, whether they'd be the, 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 the chief or an Indian for the, on behalf of the chief, what they don't understand is that people don't leave good situations. 
Like you're not going to recruit somebody away from a good situation. They might leave a neutral situation yeah. if, if, if they're extremely inspired by what you have to offer. But most cases, they leave bad situations. Correct. Okay, and, and bad is a relative term here. Okay, bad may not be like they're ready to burn the office down, but... It's in their head. I mean, it's, it's in their it's heads. It's bad in their heads. Something right? is not aligned. Maybe something as simple, like you, you didn't have any bad feelings or ill will or any of that. It's just like your goals and dreams were not in alignment with what that other broker was trying to accomplish at that point. Well, I mean, uh, I'm 35. I mean, you know, at 34 last year when I looked at the the owner of the previous brokerage and I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to do X, which was big. It yeah. was like, Hey, I want, I need, and, 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 you know, it's funny. Cause I was like, I thought I needed more space. I thought I needed more resources. I thought I need all these things. And, um, but I wanted to do X and instead of, instead of aligning with that owner broker at the time and, and, and him having the conversation of like, let's start with yes and work backwards and make it happen. I got to no. Hmm. And no is hard to swallow, right? It's just kind of like, well, what do you do now? What, yeah. do, what you know, where, where do you go with this? It's like, you actually feel like there's a ceiling and, you know, hindsight 2020, looking back, I, I'm confident I could have continued to grow to grow a lot more had I stayed. Um, but, but you know, it was time because you learn more when you, when you jump out and take that risk. Sometimes good things, sometimes bad things. Um, <laughs> but generally speaking, I mean, it, it, uh, it was time. So now it's like it's time to take the keys and roll. Yeah. Well, Jay, let me flip it to you real quick, talking about things that you learned. I mean, is there what would you think was the biggest takeaway when you first went into – being a broker versus a team leader within someone else's brokerage. What was the first lesson? Well, the funny, the funny thing, I don't know about first, certainly the most profound. Okay. <laughs> um, so I came from, you know, a little bit of a different situation. I was mentored and, and left a brokerage that is still owned and operated by one of my supreme mentors, right? Like my uncle who I observed in the business since I was, you know, old enough to remember. Yeah. Right. I knew what he did. I knew very much what my father did. Who's also a member of that brokerage. And when I left, I left someone I'm very close to, to start something of my own. Yeah. Um, not competing because we're in slightly different markets, but it was the necessity of growth. It wasn't like a bad thing. You're running. There was absolutely a growth necessity, but it was a little bittersweet because you're leaving someone that you profoundly care about. Yeah. Um, but it was the same thing. Goals weren't in alignment completely. There were, you know, my my continued growth and success might have been, despite it being fairly profitable for him, was probably pretty inconvenient for him. Like my resources that I needed and required and the things that I made for myself confused the issue between our relationship. But it's still, okay, this person really cared about me and he told me and so did my dad, you don't know what you don't know. Hmm. You don't know what's coming. I know you think you can handle it. You probably can. But you don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something, and it's not going to be what you expect. And so that proved to be so true. So, so true. I thought I had built this great team, this great reputation. I had I had, had a kind of a mag, somewhat of a magnetic energy where I was drawing people in. We were getting a lot of business. We were doing good you things. I thought they would follow. I thought it would just like, right? here, here's my shingle. Where yet? <laughs> and it took, you know, 24 months to get that wheel to slowly start rolling. And then once it started rolling, it picked up a lot of steam. Yeah. And there's, here we are, you know, three years later, and it's really rolling. And that's great. But, like, yeah, I thought, oh, Jay's got a brokerage. Let's go. Yeah. And, and, and 
painful moment, Gabe. You know, we're we're sitting in here in the podcast studio within my office, my new newer office that we decided to kind of combine. And I used to be in the room right next door, Gabe. You yep. remember this? Oh yeah. And I remember sitting in there. Okay, I don't know if you have these moments. You coach, and you got a lot of things going on. So your schedule, I know, is packed, and so is mine. But like, I have these pockets of time where I don't expect to be free. But but I have find like two or three hours, and usually what I do is I don't know what the hell to do because I'm so regimented. So what I usually do is prospect, okay? And I had one of those moments, and I was like, you know what? I can't believe we're, we're just not picking up agents the way we should. Like I don't, I can't believe we have twelve agents right now, you know. And I've still got eight on the team. Like where are they? What, what's happening? And you expected to have how many? I probably expected to have forty or fifty by then, <laughs> you know. And I had 12 and I, and I literally, I saw, so I literally, everybody's telling me what to do. I've got, we're in coaching coaches tell do this, do that, do this, run these ads, do this. And I thought, I just don't get it. And so I sit down literally with a pen and a piece of paper and I started writing names. And at the top of the list, I saw agents. I like, I thought to myself, I remember this list being on the wall. It was it, on the wall. You had a whiteboard. I wall. wrote it on the wall afterwards. So I had agents I like and agents I don't like. Now, the agents I don't like never made it to the wall. <laughs> oh, that wasn't on the wall but, for some reason. But I started thinking, I don't, want, I don't care how much you sell. If I don't like you, I don't want you to be a part of my company. So I wrote the list of likes and don't likes. And then I just said, well, screw it. I'm going to call them and ask them why they're not here. And so I called the first like couple of usuals. I, it was such a freaking ego, ego check moment because half of the agents I like – because you know, you similarly to you, you started a BHHS franchise, right? After being a BHHS agent team lead, correct? Yeah. I was a Remax team lead, started a Remax oh, franchise. Okay, cool. Very similar. Okay, so I called a couple of these people, and they literally, I'm, I'm, I'm a year and a half in, and they don't know, not, they don't even know that I own a company. Mm. They just <laughs> think that I'm still Jay, the team leader, that's still selling. They didn't even know I was an option. So the news didn't get out, yeah. <laughs> And here I am thinking like, and it was, it was just, and you know, I never like projected that ego gig I gave. I think you would agree. I didn't, sure, I didn't project no. that, project that ego that everybody should just be here because I'm so-and-so. Right. But I, I did. But there have, was a little bit of it happening I had here. A little bit of that in here and they didn't even know. And I thought, God, that is so humbling. And so I just said, well, I do. And, um, <laughs> now and you so, know. <laughs> no, listen, listen, imagine having this conversation when no, you, I've had this many times when it's, you it's, have it's to so ask true. somebody, do you know that I own a company? And they go, no, this is, well, every what agent listening to this, regardless of where they are in the business has asked someone, did you know I'm a realtor? Like I can sell you a house. <laughs> a very similar experience. Yeah. Do, do you know, do you, what do you say? Uh, what do I, what did I say? What should I have said? Here's what I said. I'll tell you what I said. I said, Oh, okay. Um, well I do. <laughs> and um, just so you know, I, five minutes ago, I sat down and wrote a list of agents that I like and um, agents that I didn't like. Total, total like teeter totter moment right there because they're wondering which <laughs> list, list they're on. Why would you yeah. call them if they but, were on the But table? here's the funny thing. I, I, so I, I, I let them off the hook really quickly and I said, I said, you were on the good list. And uh, the nice list. <laughs> just so you know, um, if you ever consider making a move, I'd be interested in talking to you. And, uh, but I'm not going to call you back. And ask you to join my company ever again. But just so you know, I'm interested. Okay. And so the funny thing was, that was really pretty profound about that. And I, I know this is not like the overarching topic of the episode, but people call me back hmm. just from that. Like it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. And that I can you attribute put the feeler out there. Yeah. It was literally like, do, do they know that you're an option? Do they know that you're interested? You, you know, it's funny because I feel like we're on the same 
we've, we're like I'm in the same path you were probably in two years ago because I, I felt like the whole world was going to come, and a lot of I have a lot of supporters and a lot of people applauding from from the sidelines, but they're like, yeah, but I'm comfortable, yeah, you know, and and so I've I've had that that same conversation many times of of uh, you know it's so funny you just said like I'm not going to call you back. My conversation is is. I am going to call you back, but it's not going to have anything to do with recruiting because I want you to oh, know yeah. I'm interested. Just please don't like look at me as that person that like every time yeah. the phone rings, you I'm calling think I'm, every quarter. Ask no, no, yeah. no. It's like like I, I might need to ask you about a deal. Yeah, so don't hang up. I think right? I made it, I think I made that clear. Like, right. look, I'm not going to be the guy that is right. in your Facebook messenger and your email and your text and calling you once a month saying, "Why haven't you joined my brokerage yet?" Not for the ask. Yeah, I'm going to call you. Add value to to add value to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, I'm gonna be a friend. I'm gonna be a, a sounding board. I'm gonna be whatever because you're on the list of people that I would like to talk to. Regardless, did you experience like you know we we build really good relationships with agents inside the industry, not in our brokerage. Yeah, not and, and like you were like super tight with a lot of people, and then the moment that your your name went on the building. They stopped answering your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that because I think they really, I think they really didn't know. I think a lot of people oh, just had no okay. clue. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, you know, now you, you're. I put my name on the building. You're like, properties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's like, who's the out of town investor? Who's Jay? It might be Pitts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I mean serious business. Like I, I, they all answered my call, but I just think they didn't know. Hmm. I think they had no clue. But the funny thing was. When the ball started rolling, and the the you know we we did things like start this podcast, and you know we started putting ourselves out there, doing a lot of content, and sh- you know coaching agents. You know, were you did you go to Charleston? Were you in coaching? Yeah, Charleston that was my Team Plus first event that I went. So to. Yeah. Jocelyn Hollow, yes, okay, yes, recruiting. She read the she wrote the book from she Florida wrote, or something like that. Yeah. Wrote the book. Yeah, she, she wrote a recruiting book, and yeah, she said a couple of things that I took very well from that is be their broker before you're their broker. Right? Interesting. And so you're coaching agents that you are. In relation, you have great, you know, interpersonal and working relationships with. You're coaching them on the things that they don't want to go to their broker with, and you build a lot of trust that way. And so that, I mean, I kept doing that. Yep. You know, and and this podcast was an extension of that because I wanted to put it out there. I wanted to bring access to people, interesting people like yourself, Doug, that I've had the opportunity to meet from around the country that wasn't threatening because it's not in their market, it's not their competitor, you know. And I wanted to give them an opportunity to listen to me without being afraid that their broker was going to be mad at them for listening to me. Interesting, yeah. Or taking a coffee meeting with me. Right. Or going to lunch with me. You know, that kind of thing. And and I think this is has been a medium that has allowed us to do that. But really just putting myself out there really got us to where we wanted to be. But I guess the reason I bring all this up is I don't think they knew until they knew. And when they knew, it like picked up momentum very fast. Things started to change. Well, yeah. Doug, I want to hear your perspective on this too, because as we're listening to kind of Jay's experience, it seems like yours was a little bit different, right? Like you might've had a slightly different experience when this started. What were some of the first things that you noticed when you, and you mentioned that you kind of had some big ideas that there wasn't room for in the original structure. So I want to hear kind of what those first couple months were like when things were changing and like, what did you notice right away? Well, I think, I think when I was at my last brokerage, we, the, the team that I, I have, my family and I built, we, we had built a lot of systems and processes and structure that, you know, the best of the best knows what I'm talking about. 
but the majority hasn't been exposed to it. It's not that they're it's not that they're they're stupid. It's it's they're ignorant to to how businesses are run in a lot and of not ways. in a bad way. Just very no, matter of factly, no, you've not had exposure. Not to this. Exposed I mean, to it. Yeah. I was that once. I'm sure Jay was that Absolutely. once. You know, we didn't have a clue. And and we started building it, and I started realizing how scalable it was. And so when it came down to planning for the next year, and and you know, I was in a brokerage where that wasn't necessarily even a thing. It was like me going. It was like it was my thing. Like I'm planning for next year, and I wanted to go to the the owner and the broker and say, "Hey, here's my plans for next year." And they're kind of like, "Wow, why are you why are you bringing this up? Are you thinking about leaving?" And I'm like, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm like <laughs> I'm trying like, to is, I'm trying to make it. Go I'm just up. trying to make sure that you're prepared for what I'm doing, and 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 I want to and I need. I mean, it's your business, not mine. So I need to get some permissions on some things. And, yeah. And and the conversation quickly went into like, well, if you do that, I'll have to hire more support staff. Oh no! And, wow! And, and, and <laughs> so figure. it was it was tough. It was tough, but it, it it quickly started. You know, we started to figure it out. Like, hey, I don't know if this is the best environment. You know, the old saying, "What got you here won't get you there." Mm-hmm. Um, Fifteen years got me to a really awesome place at that at that place. Now it's time to move on. So we made the jump and. Um, you know, transition is is never fun. It's 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 exciting. It's scary. It's all the above. Um, it, I, I'll tell you one thing: it never goes the way you plan. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, my intentions were to purchase a building, completely remodel it, uh, figure out who we were going to be, where we're going to be franchised, we're going to be independent, and um, and then have a really peaceful exit and take my team and and nothing else and move on. Um, so what really happened was when I made an offer. Uh, applied for a loan for our local bank. At local bank, enough people at the at the top of the bank hang out at the country club with the same people, the broker owner that I came from. And uh, <laughs> wow, that really happened quickly. Whoop. I expected about a year transition of uh, taking my time and having everything really nice and perfect to a, oh, you know what? We we got to close, move, and I got two weeks to get out of this brokerage. And it hmm. was wild. It was absolutely wild. Um, we moved into a building uh, about 12,000 square foot. Um the third story of the building was the only building that was where we could work out of. So we had to work out of that for the next eight months while we did complete full construction in the office. And um, within that two-week period of basically, quote-unquote, being caught that you're leaving, um, and it wasn't that I was caught that I was leaving. I just I made an offer on a building. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, didn't even, I didn't even know what we are going to do yet other than, like, it was going to be a part of the vision. And uh, so it was kind of nuts, man. It was nuts. But – it forced us into like high acceleration mode, um, make quick decisions, learn lots of things. Uh, I mean, you know, when you, when you step on your own, like in Tennessee, like you got to have a broker's license to run a brokerage, right? Did you know the brokerage itself had to have its own license? I didn't. It, no, I mean, and, and in Kentucky, <laughs> no. it doesn't. In Kentucky, you so don't. it's it's different in every state, and yeah. and I didn't know that. And so, I mean, there were all sorts of crazy things that we had to deal with in the transition. Now. Okay, so all the logistical pieces were settled, right? Right. Um, recruiting, you know, just like Jay said, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you know, I'd made a, I made a list, I made a big list of people, and I was like, sweet, we're gonna have hundred agents, like <laughs> perfect. I, I literally had I had it in my mind, you know, all of these people are gonna come. I have great relationships with these people, you know, the the, the water cooler talk. They feel the same way that I feel, you know. And the it, culture's it, it already starting. You've already got company even, culture. I'm not talking about like my, my current brokerage. I'm just saying like it, you know, just talking to people anywhere. Like it's just like, hey, and I and I had I had made this statement for years with a lot of my um, you know, Chattanooga realtor friends of, you know, if there was an environment that fit what we were both looking for, 
is that something you'd be interested in? And they're all like, hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And, and I'd be like, okay. And then when it comes time. And then when it came time, they're like, oh, no. oh you mean you were, you were serious? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. so, 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 you know, but I tell you what, though. Like, we've got about a 50-person organization. I've got five teams now in the brokerage, um, 14 months into it. And what what I've learned more than anything is is instead of trying to recruit, instead of trying to receive, um, that's very stressful. It's very taxing. Uh, the 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 winning tool is is like just just give, just keep on giving, giving. Just like Jay, you know, you started the podcast. Add value, yeah. Um, I started the Jay Douglas show on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You just you know, YouTube. My name, Doug Edrington. You'll find it, but. Sure. But, like, mine was just give lots of value, no ask at all. Um, and, you know, you plant your, your your call to actions throughout there where they can see more. But it's it's not a recruiting show by any means. And, and what, I, what, I've, what I've enjoyed about it most is that the people who really are looking for coaching, looking for leadership, looking for growth, um, they, they'll come to you. Just like Yoslin, just like uh, – Tom Ferry tells us, just mm-hmm. like uh, you know, Chep Black said once something once. I'm sure he got it from somewhere else, but it's like coach your competitors better than their own coaches do. And, there you go, yeah. and and that you know, and, and they'll come. And yeah. so that's what I've been doing. But what I have decided, though, I, I'll tell you, probably six months ago, the light bulb came on. Is every existing agent that I've ever worked with, they do have they do have the old habits, they do have the challenges, sure, and. And what we've become experts at is really just, and I say we've become, I've just decided to own it. We've been doing yeah. it for years and years, even with the team before we had our own business. It was, it's, it's, we're really good at getting brand new people in the business and bringing them in. They have no bad habits. They, they treat it like a job. They don't treat it like a hobby. Um, and, and everybody that, that joins us is they, they see the hard work. They see what we're doing. There's a lot of referrals that come. Um, the the restaurant industry is huge yeah. for us, so it's crazy. There, I mean, there's a lot of excitement surrounding the real estate industry, and there's a lot of people. I mean, you know, Gary Keller said in the book Shift, right? Like the agent influx trails the sales market by twelve to eighteen months, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, if the market is cooling, right? Which I know we talked about Chattanooga stats earlier, and you've got no fear of that right now. Right. Maybe, maybe some price, certain price points are a little cooling, but yeah. you know, Louisville market's still doing really, really well. There's still plenty of agents getting in the business, plenty of agents that see what our industry is and could be and should be, and they're entering, and that's, that's just it. I've had the most success at bringing new-to-the-industry agents and taking them to a successful level. Same here. The, the, the team is will always and has always been a way to grow the brokerage. Yes. It's it's grow up, spin off, grow up, spin off. Do you make most of your money in your team? Absolutely. Yeah, same here. Absolutely. Same here. So, and, and, and no disrespect to the rest of them, it's just, no, it's just abso- business. It's no, like absolutely you got to grow the new team. So I tell each and every independent agent or team lead that comes to this brokerage um, from another place, that, and now the reason that they come is something different than what it was in the beginning. Always. Um they they come here and I say, look, here's what I offer, and and sometimes they're like they're coming from a situation where it was they had a really heavy broker split or whatever. They say, how can you do that? Um, I say, well, I can do that because I make the majority of the money on my team, and I want to surround myself with like minded individuals that raise and lift up everyone else, and I'm okay taking a small piece rather than a large piece because I'm not feeding my family with the money I take from your commissions. 
Okay, I'm running my operation and I'm I'm putting forth as long as I can run a good operation, the kind I want. I'm I'm all about bigger pie, smaller piece. Okay, and you know some people are, you know, come to me and they say, oh well, that that's a lot, and I say, well, you know, I don't aim to be the cheapest either. So the point is, I'm never going to compete with you. If we come up against the same piece of business, I'll back away and let you have it. I'll go with you and help you secure it. If you want me to split it with you because you don't feel like you're adequate to market it, then we can do that too. The point is I'll never compete with you, but I'll never stop selling. Okay. Hmm. Because I got to be selling if I'm going to teach you how to sell the best way that I can. Okay. I'm never going to compete with you. I'm never going to stop selling and I'm never going to make the lion's share of my income off this brokerage. I'm going to make it off my team. It's interesting. Better or worse. And something that's interesting about that, this seems like one of the lessons or maybe not a lesson, but something that you have come to know later down the line. What I was hearing from both of you that was really similar, even though we're talking about different markets, different sizes of teams, different philosophies, is that most of this uh, like trial and error period was right at the beginning, right? It's where you have to learn things, trial by fire, and then the momentum picked up. You both said that, right? Like yeah. once, it, once it starts rolling, start rolling. Well, I think, I think also, though, it's like we adapt to yeah. learning new things yeah. because, because it, it never stops changing. It's just we get more comfortable with adapting. So... Uh, one of the, one of the agents that used to be on my team a few years back, he's no longer with us, and, and and for all good reason. But good relationship still. And I had someone who joined our team, uh, gosh, a, a year ago or so. And when they applied, I said, "So how did you hear about us?" And he says, "Oh, this guy that used to work on your team told me about him. Uh, told me, told uh, told him about us." And and I said, "Oh, okay, cool." I said, "Well, what did he share with you?" And he said that, um, you know, uh, the, the best thing about the Edrington team is that their ability to adapt quickly. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it was interesting because that was coming from someone who left us uh, on, their own, on their own choice to go be a solo agent because it was stressful. And because it, it's not for everybody, right? We, no. we, like, my team does not fit everybody. And so the, it was interesting because we, we have adapted to adapt quickly (laughs) if that makes any sense well i mean i see it in my personal relationships i mean my wife has not been around the real estate business i grew up in it and she it's it's her she's she's type a okay and introverted she's very detail oriented she likes order she does things she's very she's the smartest person i know okay but she has a hard time with the ever changing kind of aspect of our business. Sure. Like literally I am completely in my element with things being in utter chaos. Yeah. Like control controlled chaos. chaos. Control <laughs> chaos. I'm I'm grabbing yeah. stuff out of the air and you know, wrapping it up tight into a nice little ball. But she wants it always in order and I'm just like, that's not how this works. Mm. You know, constant adaptation. That gets to the heart of one of the things I wanted to ask, especially before we wrap up not necessarily the the growing pains or the transition challenges. What are some of the daily challenges? It's a battle that you fight every day that's always going to be a reality of being a broker or being the person managing the company. It's never going to be off your back. It's something that you have to be focused on and you have to have a plan for. What is something that fits that description? I got a good one, but I want you to go first. Well, I'd, I'd say one of the challenges is, you know, I run my own business. And when I was in a team, when I ran a team prior to a solo, that was all I did. I thought I ran my own business there, and I, I ran my own operation, but I didn't necessarily right. run my own business. And now that 
now that you really when you own when you own the brokerage, you understand the liabilities, you understand the challenges, you understand the reputation risk, you know, all these things that come along with it. And you also understand how to pay the bills and keep the lights on and make it profitable and, and, and all that stuff. And so when you have another team that comes on, I, I get to I have to remind myself that you know that I was run. I thought I was running my own business, but I was really running my own operation. Okay. And these new team leaders that are working with me, um, they're running their own operations, but they think they're running another business. So they and make they, they they tend to make financial decisions, um, or they tend to make reputational decisions, or whatever it may be. And and in most brokerages, most broker owners will roll over and just deal with it. Okay. But if you're going to run a long, scalable, lasting, successful brokerage. You have to be able to stand up to your agents, to your team leaders, and tell them what they can and can't do. But there has to be a why behind it, yeah. and it better make sense. Because Not because I told you so. It, oh, it's you know, the, it's it, the because I told you so is nonsense. It's it's uh, it, it, well because I told you so is more for me about core values, and they should know that before they join. Interesting. We they make should, our make sure our core values are clear and defined and everybody yeah, understands them. I mean, them. If, if you have two different values, then it does get into because I told you so, because this is how I believe things should go, and, and, and if it differs from you, there is like, a, you know, But even that disagree. has a why. The why is because we have core values as a company that make us profitable, and you need to display them if you want to be a functioning part of this company. Absolutely, absolutely. But guess what? There are Republicans and there are Democrats. <laughs> you know, there's always the fifty-fifty line, right? Yeah. So, so you, I think you really need to be willing. Like, if you're thinking about, and first off, opening a brokerage is not for everybody. No, sure. Um, and just because it's not, you don't do it because you want to do your own thing. You don't do it because you think it's going to make you more money. Um, you do it because it's literally the best option that there is because five years ago opening up my broken brokerage was not the best option nope. it was staying where i was at and dealing with some bs or it was maybe going somewhere else if i felt i really needed to change and again i say dealing with bs it's it, it wasn't looking back on it you know yeah. it's just it's just the small frustrations but but opening your own brokerage should only be done because it's truly the best option and i and i really want to point out that just like they say, you know, we go to doctors because we shouldn't self-diagnose ourselves and, and that sort of thing. You should have mentors, coaches, attorneys, your advisory board. Experts. Um, experts telling you and weighing in on all the different pieces of if this is a good idea or not. Um, and, yes, passion runs a lot of that for yourself, but passion can run you the wrong way. Hmm. Right? Okay. No, I, I, I agree with all that. Why, why, did you, why did you leave? Why did I start my brokerage? Yeah, why did you start your own brokerage? Um, it was time. You just know it. Um, Were you running from a bad situation? No. No, I wasn't. Um, it was time. It was by necessity, had, like you said. I had, I had... So I opened a satellite office of my uncle's brokerage 100 miles away. Okay? There were logistical challenges. There were legitimate... like There was legitimacy issues... Like running the team, it, it, it hit a critical mass where I needed to take the next step. Now, another thing, and, and you'll appreciate this, um, I reached a place where the value I could add became capped out by the fact that I didn't own a brokerage. I had hmm. agents that matured to the point where they needed to leave my team and go on their own. Right. And I had no place for them. They weren't loyal to the previous brokerage. They were loyal to me. 
the team lead. Yeah. So the team limited my ability to offer them the next step. They would have had to gone somewhere else or cut a deal with a broker that they didn't have allegiance with because of my situation. My situation was very unique. Okay. So, and, and not to mention, it's just not very profitable to, 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 to take somebody from out of the industry, cultivate them for years and then have them go elsewhere because you have no other option. Are you the only brokerage in town that is owned by the same team leader or team? You know what I mean? Like a team. Yeah. Of a producing brokerage? team leader, broker owner. Um, Are you the only one in town? I, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I, Cause I am, I'm the only one in my town that, maybe. that, that es- runs a team. Especially in the big brands. Yes. Um, like 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 big players though. So so right. so so the local BHHS uh-huh. franchise, the broker owner there is a is a big producer. Okay. Um. And to be honest, I don't even know. I know who the principal broker is. I don't. I don't exactly know who owns it. I don't really have a reason. You kind of know who the bosses are. Right. And and it's it's a brother and sister that sell a lot of real estate. Both of them. They don't really do teams. Okay. Right, mm-hmm. like, but that's a choice of branding. I mean, they leverage, they they recruit, right. they they have a good operation. Um, none of the Remax offices. One of them did, and he sold the brokerage and is now managing a team at EXP. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of the Remax offices, none of the C twenty ones, none of the Coldwell bankers, so, none of them. So do your that. your potential uh, new agents or or you know veteran agents that join your brokerage is a big value proposition because because for me, I mean that that was one of the leading factors that opened up my brokerage. It's that. People is, want to learn was, to do how what you they, did. They want to learn what you want to do. And they and, want you to teach them. And, and then when they walk up to you eighteen months later, and they're like, "Hey, Doug, I'm thinking about," or that's no, not I'm thinking. I thought about <laughs> what I want to do, and today's my last day on your team. And the problem that I had with that is that they would talk, they would get advice from people that did not help them get to where they're at and don't know where they're going necessarily. Interesting. So yeah. so they wouldn't get advice from me because they were scared they'd become come competitors. So like in my town it's 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 a big value proposition. It's like, hey, if you're if you want to join the, the team and the moment that you're ready to maybe branch out on your own, we're going to start building that months in advance while you're still on the team so we're prepared for it so you can go out on your own. Yep. And I think that you're probably doing the same thing here, Absolutely. which is making it a massive value. I mean, like, I don't know what price tag you put on that ability or that comfort level to know that, that if it? I want to grow my team – I don't have to do it in fear. Well, think about the fact that these agents, too, if they're afraid to tell you they have higher aspirations, they start capping their own growth so they can keep it under wraps. It's like keeping a dirty secret. They don't want you to know until the day they're planning to move. It's really sad. Well, it is. And you're coming from a place of limitation, right, versus a place of abundance. Like, I tell people, they ask me how big I want to get. I say, I don't care. I want all the right people and none of the wrong ones. Like, I'm about energy. I'm I'm about exposure. I'm about... You know, and it's probably as a result of you know some some issues in the past where I've, we've not had the best energy, and I've experienced what that feels like, and I've experienced some of those challenges. And I just said, hundred, a thousand, or ten, as long as it's all the right people. And you met a bunch of them this morning in Absolutely. our, our roundtable. Good people, like great energy in that room, right? All contributors engaged is what en- I noticed, which engagement. is not what you see in a typical real estate meeting. I know, no. I know. <laughs> so, so, and that's what, and that's what we're after. So. Yeah, smaller piece, bigger pie, and like the sky's the limit for you. Like if Gabe wants to go out on his own and sell a billion houses, he has my support. I'm going to show him. Not part of my plan. But. It's not part of your plan. <laughs> but if he wants to produce a you know an award winning podcast, I'm totally for that. Well, we could probably do that here though. We're working on that. We're working on that. Anyway, <laughs> no, I I, I want I want to say one thing though. Um, I know 
the answer to your question for me. And I want to get your take on it. And reminder, the question was the daily battle, right? Daily battle that I struggle with here. Okay. And it's not a struggle. It's a good or it's a good and a bad. Um, So preface it by saying our team is at 190 closed and pending team on the air so far. I make up less than 10% of that. Okay. So, you know, we talk about a saleable team is where the, the rainmaker does less than 25% of the production. So I've, I've, I've exceeded that. Okay. I've achieved that. We're at a good place there. Um, I bring value. I feel like in a lot of ways. Um, and, but at the brokerage, especially, okay. Because of the value that you just talked about, about team, aspiring team leaders or team leaders wanting to learn how to do what we've accomplished at the team level. I am the draw. It's me. I take their calls. I answer their questions. I solve their problems. I build systems. You see that you've met a lot of the staff as you walked around here this morning and you know, people like Gabe and Marcy and Lana downstairs, Kelly and all the whole, the whole team and the collaboration and the collaboration that is in that meeting that we just sat through the, the round table and they get tons of value from, from, from the experience that we curate here. But ultimately I'm still too much of the value personally. And you mean like your mentorship is what you're saying, right? Mentorship, well, not just mentorship. access. Yeah. Access and, um, both, you know, philosophically and procedurally, I feel like I am too much of the draw. I want the the company to be the draw, and you can't be everywhere at once. But but I can't. I cannot make a choice personally when I know I have something to give to not give it. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you, do you understand? I, where no, I'm I totally I totally do because you know I, I as I reflect back over my 15 year career. I think of the, I think of the mistakes that I made because I think it's a mistake, but it's also a part of evolution for you or I to be the. And you're saying this too. You also agree that it's a mistake to be the largest value proposition here because I reflect back on, on my earlier years of recruiting a team and you know it was the the last time I was on your podcast we talked about ISAs had a five person ISA team and my my largest value proposition was ISAs and you know, I set appointments for you. I set a point and that was literally my presentation to agents. I recruited. It's like, Hey, I literally, your, your number one job. The most important job to me is make sure that your calendar is accurate because ISAs are going to schedule appointments for you and you're going to stay booked all the time and you're going to write offers and pick up paychecks. Right. And I did recruit a lot of people that way. And I did recruit some great people that sold a crap ton of houses, yeah. 80, 90 houses on the team for one agent. It was just like mind blowing. Yeah. But like the pains and the ass that came from that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but here, but here's what I want to say though, is like over time I evolved and, and the value proposition for the team, like when I explain it to an agent, like I don't even explain it to an agent, like like when I say I don't, I have a director of recruiting that goes through processes, yeah. and the last step after they decide if they want, if, if my director of recruiting thinks that they fit on the team, they get the thumbs up from you. No, 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 they give they give the they they do the the uh, organizational chart on the whiteboard and they talk about the value proposition, all the things that we do. And it's like, it's a three hour process to explain what our value proposition is. Now I look at the brokerage and I feel the same way. I'm like, you know what? Right now, the number one value proposition 
is me. It's coaching, it's training, okay. it's being resources, it's all those kind of things. So this there is why is. I'm saying it's the evolution. See, I've because, evolved out of that from the team standpoint. And I've because evolved because we, we have pod leaders, we have. But now on the know, brokerage, it's you again. But on the brokerage, it's me again. So, so I'm, I'm having the same challenge that I once had at the team level. Because the question, uh, the only question you have to ask yourself to identify the problem is, if I was no longer here, how many people would leave? And it, yeah, you would lose people, wouldn't you? I would lose a lot of people. I would too in my brokerage. Remax Premier Properties would lose a lot of people if I just stopped showing up. And sure. So the, and just ran the team. So here's what I think the answer is right now, and I'm sure you're doing this, and, and I'm doing it as well right now, is the number one value proposition is really a future vision because, because I get to show like what we did with our team, and I'm really painting a picture of the vision. And yeah, you may be saying you're selling thin air, but it's not. It's not a sales. It's not a sales no. pitch. It's literally. This is what I strive to do, and this is what I think I'm building. And anytime I've ever painted that picture, we've actually built something completely different. It's been way better than I've ever thought of. <laughs> no, that's it. But, but I want. But I want you to be a part. I want you to be a part of growing it because I'm looking forward to the day. I don't know if it's next year, if it's ten years from now, yeah. where the value proposition takes a few hours in a presentation just to excite some not not to excite somebody but they get excited from that couple hour presentation and it's just the tip of the iceberg yeah. i think so. something that's worth mentioning too and I'm, I'm obviously looking at it from the standpoint of our team because that's what i've experienced with but another way to overcome that the kind of like hero worship mentality and that's not what it is but here when the minions yeah exactly and we talked about with tom tool way back in ancient history <laughs> about the minion model right where yeah. everybody follows the the fearless leader another way that i think our team has combated that a little bit is by really promoting and putting a lot of uh responsibility and faith in members of the team themselves like you yeah. mentioned the pod structure that's like kind of what we would describe as teams within teams yeah. uh and i think that eventually if you're recruiting people and you get to the place where you say, hey, right now I can offer you all this, but we're building up people within this team who will very soon be able to offer close to or the same amount of mentorship you know, experience and advice that we can give you. And hopefully it becomes cyclical, right, where yeah. the team will continue to bring up leaders that bring the next generation in and it will start to roll. And so when the inevitable day comes that you need to be able to step away, you're not afraid of will the company fall apart if I decide that I want to take some time, you know? Yeah. No, and, and that's and that's just it. I mean, I really enjoy I mean some of the some of the greatest joy I take from my all of my work is sitting in that room down there yeah. an hour ago. Right? Talking to these people about the things that I think that they can use in their own way. Not not me saying here's your here's your eight step model to go get expired listings. It's it's convincing them that expired listings are not the devil. <laughs> and that you should probably find your own way to engage them. And here's a couple of ways that you could do it and decide what you like and don't like and employ what you do like. Right. Or, and that's a bad example or it's just an example. But my point is I really like impacting them, having an impact on their business and their future decisions. And if the, the truth is, if I stop doing that today, Gabe, nobody's going to, nobody else is going to do it. Yeah. You know, not, we're not there yet. Well, yeah. And you know, Jay, and I've seen this even sitting in your, your trainings and, and heard you many times. I think the difference between a really good leader where we do find ourselves when we're starting a new business where it's like we are the primary value proposition right now. I think for the people out there that are listening to this, because this is mainly agents listening to this, right? And yeah. Yeah, probably only agents listening to this. And I mean, consumers, uh, for more than 30 pretty, seconds. They're pretty nerdy. Consumer, if, they, consumer, if you are listening to this, would you call Jay and go get your real estate? <laughs> yeah. That's a but, good idea. But like, uh, for the people who are listening to this, if you're thinking about making a change, 
I think what you should really talk about is when you're talking to these potential leaders of other brokerages is allow them to coach you and 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 listen to how they coach you and because what i mean by that is are they telling you what to do or are they helping you discover what you want to do because what i've found is i've seen a lot of leaders that will tell you what to do and guess what if if you're not into that like you turn off um yeah. there's a uh, uh who's the memory coach you know what i'm talking about tom interviewed him a minute jim quick this is okay. his name jim yeah, quick yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's a youtube video floating around um that it's got like a lot of his name's jim quick and he's a memory coach. Okay. And I watched one of his YouTube videos, and he talked about how memory is like a lot of people say I have a bad memory, right? Um, that's not really a thing. It it's a memory is a learned skill. It's not a natural ability. And I didn't know this until I watched this video. And he said, you know, the interesting thing about memory is that we to to learn the skill, you have to have an emotional attachment to what it is you're trying to learn. So if you have you ever like read a book? And you've read the page, the same page like ten times, and you're like, I don't even know what I read, yeah, because you sure. were forced to read it, and you weren't, or like back in school, like you fell asleep, it's like you go on an autopilot, you almost, f- yeah, you fell asleep at the at the at the desk, and like the teacher's in trouble, you know, you're in trouble because like why are you falling asleep? There's no emotional attachment to what it is, yeah. So if you think of a your your potential, the person who you put you put their hands there to like help impact your world. And, and help you get to the next level. If they're only teaching you their way and you're not emotionally attached to it, you're not going to make progress. But what I like about Jay and, and the same style that, like, I don't want to say that this is natural ability of me. It's not. It's a learned skill. It's helping people learn based on them discovering what it is and you have to be emotionally attached to it. So, like, whatever that may be, if it's expired listings, if it's door knocking, if it's Zillow, if it's for sale owners, whatever it may be, I'm never going to teach a strategy to an agent on how to grow their business unless they come to me and say, Hey, I'm interested in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to force it. Yeah. You can't I'm not going to force it, which is the same reason why we don't have an agenda on that meeting that we just do. Like sometimes I'll put out a topic for, to, to kind of ruminate and for them to stew on before we show up. But, but they, they came to the table curious. They said, I have, I'm curious about this situation. They bring yes. the topics. Yes. Exactly. They bring them to us. So anyway, I, uh, I I don't know. I think uh, I think we've pretty much run run this conversation the gamut. Gabe's looking at me I'm like sure you guys could go all day. I know. I no, think we, we totally could probably did. carry it out pretty far. We probably will the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> just off air. Just yeah. off air. Well, well, dude. Hey, it was, it was great. I I appreciate you doing this. You you didn't come here with uh with designs on being a podcast guest. But. No, I walked through the door and I was like, those are cool microphones. They're like, yeah, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> that's how yeah. we do it around here. Yeah. That's how we do it. All right. Well, hey, that's about all the time we've got for today's episode of Resource. Both of you, wealth of information about this. If you're someone that's listening that's thought about, you know, or even just toy with the idea of maybe going the route of opening your own brokerage, you know, we'll make sure we've got contact info for Jay and contact info for Doug. These are both people that would probably, I'm guessing, would be happy to answer your questions. You shoot them an email, they'll be able to answer some of the questions that you have. Uh, but otherwise, you know where to find us. Full episodes are up on YouTube. You can find our YouTube at the link below. Uh, go and watch these. And we have another episode with Doug from last season that's worth listening to if, sure. if you want to go find it. Jay, any parting thoughts? No, man. Just please, please uh, check out the new podcast, the Hour 502 Podcast, also on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Again, this is Resource Real Talk About Real Estate. Thanks again, Doug. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon.